For the first time since 2006, the Rams are 4-2. They're alone in first place in the NFC West, and they are in London, and so are we. Good morning back in Southern California, and welcome across the pond to a pub we call the Barrow Boy and Banker with DeMarco Farr, a Super Bowl champion with the Rams, and Steve Mason, our special guest. I'm J.B. Long, and it's a full house. The Rams colors on display. A couple of legends, Eric Dickerson and Torrey Holt, are on their way. A full complement of Los Angeles Rams cheerleaders are on hand. A tremendous showing. What's it like to take in this moment? DeMarco, we'll start with you. Uh, just outstanding, man. I just love the passion for football, the NFL, especially Rams. I, I love walking into a place that's familiar. feels like family in here. Lots of old jersey. I see Kevin Carter, Marshall Falk, and some new guys, Todd Gurley, Robert Quinn, still represented here. Uh, just a, a real passion for the game, the sport, and for the Rams. you got to love it. We are live for the next three hours with this special edition of Rams All Access, and this is a familiar setting for you, Mace, because you've been here for a couple of nights. Been here for a couple of nights. The thing that amazed me was that uh, the moment I got to London, I realized the NFL is huge here. The NFL is loved in London. Uh, and even going through passport control, they asked me, why are you here? And I said, I'm here for the Rams game. And the guy at Passport Control said, I'm a Rams fan, and I'm going to be at Twickenham on, uh, on Sunday. So it has been so much fun being here and so much, uh, so much fun talking to fans and, and getting a vibe for exactly how much London loves the NFL. Well, just to continue setting the scene, we've got a, a two-story true British pub, just a tremendous venue, and it is packed to the brim. 70-plus uh, of our closest sponsors are with us. Those of you who have traveled from the United States to support your Rams, thank you for making that investment. Those of you who are Rams fans here in the U.K., we are great, grateful to be able to be here with you and greet you in person, and we hope to put on a great show for you uh, on Sunday. Uh, we can dig deep here in the next three hours. This is an expanded edition of Rams All Access. We can talk Jared Goff. We can talk defensive improvement. We can talk matchup with the Cardinals. We can talk playoff picture. But let's start coming off that win in Jacksonville and the decision to stay on the East Coast and make it a, a long couple of weeks preparing for Arizona. DeMarco, it's different than the way the team approached last year's international series coming from Detroit early to prepare uh, for the Giants. You know, I, I've seen it, I think, all three ways now. Uh, Jeff Fisher had the team leave early when they played the Patriots. They showed up. The Patriots did on Thursday and absolutely killed the Rams. And then last season they had that game in, uh, in London here uh, against New York. They should have won that game. They did not. Uh, but this year I like the system. Uh, you go and you play a tough Jacksonville squad. You don't have to get on a plane and then travel all the way to London. I mean, after a brutal game like that against Leonard Fournette, you get a chance to rest there and then practice there, get all your physical work in there, and then travel here and get ready to play. Um, getting ready for the time zone, acclimated to the time zone, I think you can do that within 48 hours. And I think they have that uh, pretty can well planned out. No, you cannot. Well, I, uh, I, have to, I have to tell you, time yeah. zone, it, it, even for me, time zone was tough. I mean, I apologize for Thursday's Mason and Ireland show uh, because it was a low-energy disaster. Was it really? Okay. Yeah, it took me some time to settle in. The time change is more than I expected it to be. I don't know. Do you think it makes more sense to get here early or get here the way they did uh, this time? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how the team plays if they come out flat um, on Sunday. We'll find out there. But it, it didn't hurt the Patriots getting here on Thursday. But I, I think it all depends on what type of team you have and what type of team you are. Uh, it doesn't matter where you play. But I think Sean McVay and the Rams coaching staff did a great job of keeping the guys up more than they wanted to and then getting them out of bed before they wanted to, just keeping the body clock on somewhere close to L.A. football time so you're ready to play when you're 
your body says it's time to go. Yeah, that's what I'm interested in is can you stay on L.A. time yeah. when you're here because uh, they're going to play at, uh, I think it's 7 o'clock. 10 a.m. local. It's a 10 a.m. local kick. 10 a.m. local kick. early window. Right. So can you, can you stay on L.A. time and follow that clock? It's a tough thing to do. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm in the middle of it now because I'm going to get back and then go to the World Series on Tuesday, so I'm going to have a really quick turnaround. But you almost have yeah. to pretend you're in L.A. for this to work. Uh, I have, and here's the other thing. Both teams have to do it, and coming in on Tuesday versus coming in on Thursday, Friday, I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference for Arizona. I don't think they have an advantage being here. It, it's all going to stink for everyone trying to get your body clock up to speed. Congratulations to those Los Angeles Dodgers for advancing to the World Series, by the way. Want to extend our best. Uh, it's different this year in one major way, and that is the Rams are coming off a win. A couple of non-offensive touchdowns in the victory over Jacksonville, a dominating defensive performance for the final three quarters. Uh, as a season ticket holder, Mace, just how much different has the first segment of 2017 been for you to observe compared uh, to where this team was coming to London a it, year ago? It is complete night and day. I mean, last year... And, and my apologies to everybody, you know, who was involved. And last year was drudgery. This year, you're in every game. Even when they fall behind, uh, they find a way to scrap their way back into games. Uh, it, it is not unusual to see them come from behind. Even that Washington game, you know, they were down. And last year, you would have seen the tents folded up. And this time, they rallied back. The other thing, you mentioned the defense. Tell you what. The defense, particularly those whatever halftime adjustments Wade Phillips is making, uh, this has become very much a second-half team because they have some lockdown defense. Leonard Fournette was good early and really struggled late against the Rams. Uh, this Rams defense is improving week after week. I don't know if any offensive coordinator in the league could throw something at Wade Phillips that he hasn't seen or nor the origin of. So um, I expect teams to get off to a good start running the ball against the Rams and then They'll make those adjustments and start sewing it up and making it tougher for you to run the football. They're just not very big up front. And I think the difference between this year and last year is you have an offense now. There's always confidence that no matter where you put Jared Goff or the offense on the field, they can drive it down the field to at least affect field position or touchdown or points. I think that's the biggest difference. I mean, you were hoping last year that you'd pick up one first down just to spell the defense. This year it's about moving it and scoring. He's DeMarco Farr, a Super Bowl champion with the Rams. I'm J.B. Long, the voice of the Los Angeles Rams, and Steve Mason is with us here at the Barrow Boy and Banker in London. Sam Lagana on the PA right now. Uh, he's the voice of... I love this guy. Who's house? Rams, Rams house. house. He's got it. He's got it. Yeah. And he's getting the I was crowd telling you, up. even when I'm at home and I'm watching a Rams game, we do the Who's House, Rams house. Are you serious? Uh, I, oh, absolutely. I, I'm telling you, I am so crazy for this team. Yeah. I mean, Section 6, part of the Ramley, I've yet to miss a home game. Uh, and I, this year has been just such an amazing experience. What a difference McVeigh has made in this season. Well, what do you think about the narrative about people not showing up to the Coliseum? Well, you know, I think you've got... You've got to earn your way into okay. town. And I think this year, and I've seen a pickup, I think we're going to see more and more fans. I'm incredibly optimistic about the rest of the season. And I think more and more fans are going to catch on to this. And part of it is because the Rams can now score. Last year, it was so defensive, and they had so much trouble scoring the football. 
this year they're able to score and i'm sorry fans love points yeah fans love to see points on the scoreboard you're uh, uniquely equipped to speak to this too the rams have had three home games and they've all come on the backs of a usc home game on a saturday i'm not sure precisely what the overlap is in fan base in college and pro in the, in the los angeles area but you're one of those who sometimes has to make a call between Hey, there's only so many hours and dollars in a weekend. What do you mean a call between? I've been to I've been to Not, all the USC games that led into the Rams games. But you know what that a commitment is. Oh, like. it is. It Why is go huge. home? Why go home? Just stay there. I said I should get a I should get a room right there. <laughs> right. Uh, and it's incredible to see the field flip too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the amount of time it takes to uh, to flip the field from a USC home game to a Rams home game is really amazing. Those guys are working hard to get that done. For the most part, good fields. Every single game at the Coliseum, I mean, one game maybe where you had some slips when they had those those double yeah. games. I mean, I think they did a great job with Put that. Put down turf. the stretch. It'll be yeah. nice to see to not see the Pac-12 yeah. logo bleeding yeah, through. You can see the Pac-12 logo. And yeah. the various hash marks and numbers. You know, for the rest of the year, it'll be nice to have it. Really Is there no overlap like, the rest of the year? I, think I don't clear. think so. I think we're done. It's better the than first, a baseball field. three out of the game. Yeah, yeah how about absolutely. that? Uh, it's just after 4 o'clock local time here across the pond, and a couple of uh, Rams legends, Tory Holt and Eric Dickerson, have joined us, and they've been here with the traveling party all week. What a combo. Uh, in fact, <laughs> we got to we got to hear them sing a little bit last night, DeMarco, and we, we might be able to play a bit of that for you later in the show. Uh, do we finally get to hear the song? I think so. I'm dying to hear the song. Tory Holt just took over again. Yeah, describe what happened. You guys went we to Abbey Road Studios. Abbey Road Studios. I mean, it was awesome. We, we got to – what song did we sing again? Get by with a little help, help from my help friends. Help from my friends. We had to sing it. We had to learn how to sing it. Wow. We had an actual, like, vocal coach. Are that you was a fine vocalist? No not, no, not 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 at all. But, but she, he is a music head. And so some I of am. the names who have recorded there, from the Beatles to Pink Floyd. Zeppelin. I mean, yeah, everybody's wow. gone through there. It's amazing. The pictures, uh, the Taylor stories Swift that you hear. modern day. Amazing. They said no pictures in the hallway because there could actually people be people recording. Right. And we heard that Seal might have been there or he's he's been there, like, around that time. It was awesome. Yeah, awesome type of stuff. And we got to actually sit there and record. JB has the voice of an angel. He just won't tell you. Really? He has the voice of an beautiful angel. Singing voice. Beautiful singing voice. Beautiful singing voice. Lip syncing. I got to save it for Sunday. <laughs> you were faking? Oh, was it, was man. it like a big We Are the World situation where everybody's yes. singing? Oh, on yeah. The, on the bleachers, the Did risers. you each get your your individual solos in Tori there? Did. Tori did. Tori got, got a solo. Yeah. Tori Holt got a solo. I think we're going to hear a sample of that <laughs> as yeah. we go along. Fantastic. But they actually, we had to break the thing up and learn how to sing the song. It was like work. She made a stand-up. You know, like, and if she didn't like a take, she said, let's do it again. Wow. I mean, we were really recording the song. Yeah, hardcore. Yeah. All gassed out. Now, look. <laughs> yeah. Is the single going to be released? Is it going to be like. Uh, I think there's some copyright is issues. Is it going to be like Ram It, where the, uh, it comes out? God, a video, I hope not. They shoot a video? I hope not. No more Ram It. No more Ram It. <laughs> uh, the round of applause is for Eric Dickerson. We'll take our first break here. We'll come back and get our first impression of the matchup. Here in Week 7, the Arizona Cardinals are at 3-3. Three and three. They're coming off a win over Tampa Bay. The Rams have come over from Jacksonville where their special teams unit led the day. And we'll set the stage from here at Barrel Boy and Banker, a British pub across the pond. Glad you're with us on a Saturday morning in Los Angeles on ESPN LA. Near side numbers 10. Beers to his right. Spins at the 20. Now has a block. 25-30 down the near sideline. 40. Midfield Farrell Cooper into Jack's territory. 20 15 10 5 touchdown LA The NSC special teams player of the week Farrow Cooper helping the Rams go to 3 and 0 on the road to start a season for the first time since 2001 They've left Jacksonville they've arrived in London and we're here at the Barrow Boy and Banker Pub just on the uh, the heels of 
London Bridge, and we invite you to see more and sit closer with Vivid Seats, an official partner of the Los Angeles Rams. Visit vividseats.com backslash Rams today to reserve your official ticket, travel, and VIP tailgate package to the next game. With Super Bowl champion DeMarco Farr and Steve Mason, I'm J.B. Long. Great to be with you, gentlemen. Tell the story about Farrell Cooper and the kickoff return for touchdown. Tell the story. Not the story about what happened in the game, what happened the day before. Well, poolside uh, at our Point of Idra yes. Beach Resort with DeMarco, I, I posed a question I had read on ESPN.com that uh, they were making a case for eliminating the kickoff in professional football because yeah. there had not been a kickoff return for a touchdown, uh, hardly any significance. Farrah Cooper had one for 66 yes. against Dallas. That was significant. But because of the injury risk and because of the, the percentage of kickbacks that had been taken to that point in the season the question was is it even relevant is it even worth having in the game so far and i said no i said if you take the kickoff away you're bastardizing the game of football so needless to say i went to bed thinking about that maybe jb's right maybe they should eliminate kickoffs and maybe it doesn't need to be a part of the game it's safer yada 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 i wasn't making the case yeah. i was playing devil's advocate right. what i was really doing is i was putting kind of the reverse jinx on the game knowing that we're gonna going tom jackson we're gonna have the opening kickoff oh my god look at you and that's a straight face and that (laughs) and that you called it bones fossil and the special teams group they were going to be ready for a bounce back performance because like you said steve when something's wrong they fix it week to week absolutely i'm not buying that whatsoever you called it (laughs) i didn't call it but i i at least wanted to have things trending and by the way i wanted to pay you a compliment jd jb i was uh so I was in the Dodger Stadium parking lot on Sunday getting ready for game two of the NLCS when you were calling the Jacksonville uh, game. Oh, right. Uh, and I thought the your call of the Robert Quinn personal foul was dead on. I didn't see it at the moment. Later, I did see it, and I thought your description of it and your clear outrage over it captured the way a lot of fans were feeling uh, right at that moment. So I, I thought that was a great moment for you as a broadcaster. Well, thanks for saying that because over a couple of cold ones later that night, I turned to DeMarco and I said, DeMarco, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Did I go overboard on that one? No, you were dead no. on, man. You were real, dead man. On. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Here's the thing. I mean, why could, would you protect that guy Well, that could day? you hear in the car, yeah. too? The whistle was so late. Yeah. If, oh, yeah. If you don't want that play to happen blow the whistle earlier that's on you yep you can't hold that whistle and throw the flag yeah yeah i thought it was a great moment yes that guy's knocked two safeties out almost knocked aaron donald out you know some penalties are worth taking though guys and when you can throw leonard fournette to the turf yeah it's almost worth a 15 yeah he's been breaking tackles all day i I it was a bad call it was a bad call and then there was a makeup call about three plays later he knows he knows the umpire that threw it knew was a bad now the offense struggled yeah, at Jacksonville. If you think about the last it, last two weeks against very good yeah. defenses, very good secondary. Yeah, last week. I mean, if it's not for the Farrell Cooper uh, kickoff return and the block punt, uh, they're they're in some trouble. What's wrong with the offense if right they, now? They have to get out of their own way. Um, they're still having some alignment problems, and they're still turning the ball over. Let's not forget that. And it's always coming. Those turnovers, those takeaways are coming. Uh, at the beginning or at the end of really good drives. If Robert Woods doesn't fumble that or get it punched out, that's a scoring drive. I mean, they absolutely had Jacksonville right where they wanted him, right in that Sean McVay, I call it the washing machine, if you will, where he's manipulating the defense to go wherever he wants him to go to, to have easy throws for Jared Goff. That pass to Robert Woods, he was wide open. I mean, there was no one within five yards, and then he gets it punched out. Great play by Miles Jack to get the ball out. But they have to hang on to the football. They have to focus on what they're doing to move the football down the field. But 
if you eliminate those problems, those issues, those small things that keep you from winning, I mean, this offense will score 30 points. Mace, you'll love this. Behind the scenes, after that Jacksonville win, DeMarco, who was the most infuriated member of the Rams staff about about that win? Oh, Sean McVay. I mean, immediately after the coach's Five interview minutes was over. after the final gun, yeah. Yeah. he is steaming mad, right. disappointed with the fact not, that his offense isn't producing. Not that he's lying when he's talking to you guys. No. But he's got coach speak to, to worry about. He's got his players and his coaches that he has to protect first. But once that goes off and it's just you and him, he'll tell you how he really feels. You know, yeah. the thing I love about uh, McVeigh, and we have him on the show every Wednesday, uh, is that he takes responsibility for everything um except success except success you're right (laughs) when they lose it's about him when they win it's about his coaching staff his players um i just think that that way of thinking um must make him a beloved guy in that locker room and in that organization it's actually the opposite of last season it is yeah when they lose it's them Yep. When they win, it's me. <laughs> we look at the, the first portion of the season when the defense hadn't found its stride, and yeah. we had all kinds of explanations for why that was. They traded preseason reps for a healthy injury report and all those things. But the cameras at times caught Sean McVay over at the water cooler with Jared Goff while the defense was on the field. And so the question was posed a couple of times, well, might the defense warrant more of your attention given the fact that they've struggled? And his response was basically like, are you kidding me? No. I hired Wade Phillips for a reason. Phillips, right. yeah. And he wasn't distancing himself from the problem. He was saying, I've empowered other people who are far more qualified to address those issues, and they're going it's to. It's like the oldest rule in the book. Hire good people and then let them do their jobs. And I, I love that. It's clear that, uh, that Sean McVay is focused on the offense, focused on developing Jared Goff. Um, and he's got, like, one of the great defensive coordinators in the history of the right. game, let him run the defense. I love that, uh, and I think that takes a certain amount of hum- uh, humility, I think, right. to say, you know what, you're, you're managing the defense. Um, I'm the offense, you're the defense. I think it works perfectly, uh, and it's clear that Wade Phillips is figuring this thing out and yeah. figuring out his talent as he goes. And don't forget, he's connected by a headset. Yeah, right. All you have to do is push a button if you need it. And he's right there. He can answer you, whatever you need. Hey, look, I got a third and whatever. I'm thinking about doing this. Sure, go for it. Or Bones has a question. Hey, I want to run a fake here. Yes or no? I mean, you can do that from anywhere on the field. The same goes on offense in a different respect. How many first-time head coaches, youngest in NFL history, who are reputed as being the offensive mastermind would surround themselves with two other assistants who have been offensive coordinators in Aaron Cromer and Greg Olson, and another Matt LaFleur who's going to be at some point in, you know, as, as this Rams franchise continues to thrive, he's going to have that opportunity. It reminds me a little bit of, just to, to overlap a little bit, uh, the Dodgers' Andrew Friedman as far as anxiety. He's got Alex Anthopoulos. He's got, he's got like four former it's general managers in the front office. And it's, it, you know, you want the smartest guys in the room. And it doesn't matter who has the right idea or the great idea. It's just get smart, as many smart people get a brain trust going. Um, and I think that's part of what's paying off for the Rams. It was an interesting contrast, wasn't it, going to San Francisco for that Thursday night game. And this is not to say that the way the Niners are doing it is wrong and the way the Rams are doing it is right. But Kyle Shanahan did not hire an offensive coordinator. Wow. Not Makes sense. He's yeah. calling plays, McVay's calling plays, but he did not hire that position. Well, that night the Rams were doing it right. So far, right? Yeah. I would have bet I bet if you have success here, if you make the playoffs, 
say, this year, next year, and the year after that. At some point, you'll probably have head coaches coming out of the staff. Oh, no question. That tree will start to grow. Um, uh, that's something I think takes a special type guy as your head coach to not be afraid of guys that might know more than you about this game. Um, how can you be intimidated by Wade Phillips, especially when he's on your side? I try to pick his brain like nobody's business. Uh, every call he makes, I'd ask him why he made that call because it's only going to help us as a football team and me as a head coach and a play caller to know why one of the best coordinators in the league is calling this sort of coverage against that guy. You know what I mean? One of the challenges DeMarco he's going to face tomorrow night is Adrian Peterson. That was an unexpected addition to the roster for the Cardinals just a week ago, and boy, did he debut in a win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So when we come back to the Barrel Boy and Banker here in London, we'll dive into the Cardinals and Rams matchup in Week 7. The International Series is back at Twickenham, and we're here on ESPN LA. Well, back here in London, and good morning in Los Angeles. Glad you're with us for this expanded three-hour edition of Rams All Access. Uh, those of you here in person, so happy to have you with your Rams colors. What are there, a few hundred people here uh, celebrating the International Series? The Rams getting ready to face the Cardinals. Eric Dickerson, Tori Holt are here, a host of Rams cheerleaders. Uh, if you would like us to talk about a Rams question that's on your mind, feel free to visit us uh, down here in the back corner. Just jot it down on a sheet of paper. Uh, Julio, our producer, will gladly take your questions. Submit it on social Boy, media. I'm telling you, Alania and Liam here, they are they are hardcore. They're our locals, fans. right, Steve? They are locals. Uh, they are hardcore. They're talking about uh, Andre Whitworth here. They're wow. ta- Andrew Whitworth. They're talking about uh, John Sullivan. It's, I mean, they are, like, really, really wrapped up here. So they're our fans. They are pure Rams fans. He's Steve Mason, DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. Uh, again, submit your questions on social media if you'd like to. We've got plenty of time uh, to field anything you've got on your mind about this matchup against the Cardinals, about the Rams season to this point, what's ahead in the bye week, and on and on. There's one other order of business that we want to get to before we get too deep into this edition of Rams All Access, and that is our good friend and partner Maurice Jones-Drew is not Whoa. with us this weekend, but he has a very good reason. Uh, the UCLA greats went into the Bruins Hall of Fame last wow, night. So great. congratulations, MJD. We've missed you this week in London, and we will again tomorrow. And we and in Jacksonville. Oh, and never in, mind. <laughs> uh, Jacksonville was more of a homecoming, uh, and now he's in the Hall of Fame, and rightfully so, at UCLA. So I hope you had a great weekend there. Uh, UCLA has, what, Oregon this weekend? Yeah. And we are counting down to USC and Notre Dame. USC, Notre Dame, yeah, which coming is, up today. Uh, that's like a playoff elimination game in college It absolutely football. is. Uh, pre-game starts at 1230 here on ESPN LA. Looking forward to that. So uh, here we are uh, at this great pub in London, and the Cardinals and the Rams get together uh, tomorrow night in primetime locally. Yeah. And Adrian Peterson, uh, who the Rams have really yet to stop in their history, joins forces with the Cardinals in just one game. It looks like he's rejuvenated their offensive line and rejuvenated what had been an aging Carson Palmer. Every time I've seen the Rams play Adrian Peterson, it it came off just like the game in Jacksonville where he breaks one long one, and then after that long run, or you have him sewed up and then he breaks a long one, which distorts the numbers. I mean, it all is, look, rushing for 130 is 130, but if you take away Fournette's 75-yard run, it's a pretty good day. Same thing with Adrian Peterson, so... That's the, the, the hell of playing guys like him. You can have him sewed up for three and a half quarters, make one mistake, and away he goes. I mean, guys like him just don't wear down. And the fact that he's motivated, first, he's happy to be out in New Orleans where he was not being used at all. He's happy to be in a spot that was in need of a running back. And 
a pretty good quarterback. They just needed a running game, so they're going to use him. They did. He finds a way to get in the open field, run down the field, and rush down the field and break tackle. So, look, you're going to get a full dose of Adrian Peterson tomorrow, no you know, doubt. You know, if I was, uh, if, if Adrian Peterson would be a stock, I would sell right now. I just have a feeling he had the IPO with the Cardinals and it took exactly. off. Exactly, <laughs> and and he had a he had a great start, obviously. But you know, Demarco, he has had a lot of carries in his career, um, and I'm sure he was thrilled to be out of uh, New Orleans where he was stuck with Ingram and Alvin Kamara, uh, and finally gets a chance. But I have a feeling that that may be the best day he has as an Arizona Cardinal. How many attempts has he had this season? Uh, it's, it's, less, it's less than his, 40. His production in one game yeah. with the Cardinals was more than it had been. Yeah, 53 with. carries. 53 so carries. This year. Now, yeah. when you get up over 100 with a guy that that has that many carries, then I'll start to worry. But from what I hear coming on, when he got to Arizona, they told him, hey, look, you're just here, or we're going to feature you until David Johnson comes back. Right. And he's coming back in December. So you've got from now until then – to prove yourself worthy of another football team because this is our guy. So he's, I would, uh, yeah, he's, he's a rental car at the airport. When they ask you if you want to yeah. buy, a, a, buy a tank yeah. and return it full, and you say no. They're yeah, going to no. empty the tank. I'm going to yeah, empty I mean, the he's tank. He's got 2,500 carries in his career, yeah. which is a lot. He's got five 300-carry uh, seasons, and that's a lot of mileage. Um, and he's been in the league for 10 years now. See those high-volume guys? I mean, look at Frank Gore. Frank Gore is still going. And remember, AP missed an entire year because of an injury. So he's still got a lot left. And if you read the, I guess, the dirt sheets, he's got a lot of motivation to keep playing football oh. for the next two or three oh, years. Motivation. A lot of motivation. Are you to keep suggesting playing. he has outstanding bills to pay? Um, I think those bills are going to come due. How many oh. um, children does he have? He's got uh, small. He's got a larger size family. He's got a village. Yeah. <laughs> He's saying it takes a village. Antonio Cromarty goes, man, you got a lot of kids. <laughs> he's got a lot of touchdowns, too. 99, to yeah. be precise. So he's uh, a touchdown shy of joining Marshall Falk and company in a pretty illustrious group. Let me, group let me ask you guys, because uh, you know, obviously last week uh, I was thrilled about the Farrell Cooper run back, and then immediately Leonard Fournette goes to the house. Um, they have struggled against the run in the first half before tightening things up. What is that dynamic? Uh, well, you have – it's a 3-4 defense, which means you have inside linebackers. Now, generally, those inside linebackers are big run-stuffing type guys. Well, you've got the exact opposite. You've got blown-up safeties in there. So the first couple of series, if you're playing against the Rams or a team similar, like the Arizona Cardinals, Dan Buchanan is a smaller guy. He's smaller than Mark Barron. That's playing inside linebacker. Your first instinct is to run right at it and see if they can get off blocks. Well, Jacksonville beat you to the punch on that first carry. But from then on, they've made the adjustments. And not having to slant the line up front, just Mark Barron, Alec Ogletree doing a better job of being more physical and at least turning those running backs east and west and making them have to sing for their supper. So those first couple of carries are always going to be tough against the Rams. It, it was a remarkable difference in terms of the challenge week to week at home against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, who took it all on his shoulders. They had no tailback running game to speak of whatsoever. It was all about can you get to and disrupt their quarterback to then see Jacksonville, who has no quarterback, yeah, right. and puts it entirely on their running back and challenges you to tackle him 30 times per game. <laughs> it was almost like life in the Pac-12 going from challenge A to B week to week as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, that was embarrassing for the offense. Yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a situation where you need to throw the football 
and they're still running. For Blake Bortles. For Blake saying. Bortles. Yeah. I yeah. mean, situation where you might want to take a shot downfield because of what the Rams are giving you, the looks they're giving you on defense, and you're still running screens because you're afraid to let your quarterback throw. That's that's an embarrassing situation. Now, Jared Goff did not have a, a great week uh, against Jacksonville. Last, he did not have a great His game. last couple of performances have not been strong. Yeah, I mean, it was 11 of 21 last week. I thought, I mean, to my eye, he missed some throws uh, in that game. Uh, and uh, my other issue is, I don't. what is Sammy Watkins doing? Where is Sammy Watkins, and what's happening with him? Trying to learn still. Um, it's a process. You know, I mean, look, when you're still carrying around a playbook at this point in the year, I mean, that tells you where you are in the offense. So some of those incompletions to Jared is Jared trying to get the ball to, to Sammy Watkins down the field, not happening. Now, some of those are just overthrows. If he um, doesn't overthrow Higby, Tyler Higby, on that nine route or that route down the field, that's a touchdown. I mean, the offense is there. Uh, if Roger Saffold just makes or holds on to a block for a half second longer, Todd Gurley's out on the perimeter on a screen, that's a long completion for Jared Goff. Those are two big plays that could have been on the ledger, the good side of the ledger for Jared Goff. So those plays are there. You just got to be a little more accurate. It mm-hmm. almost looks like they're, uh, when Sammy Watkins goes to the line, so either like Cooper Cup is trying to explain to him what the play is going to be and what's supposed to happen. Um, that learning curve. What is? What, why is that learning curve? You just so reminded me. We left out an offensive coach. And we were talking about all the offensive minds that uh, McVay hired when he came to Los Angeles. He also drafted Cooper Cup, who ha- he Smart has told guy. us oh is God. an offensive coordinator on the field. He knows all eleven positions. I'd go one, two, three. I would put McVay, then Cooper Cup, then Jared Goff. We've wow. gone as far yeah. as to say, in an emergency situation, if you had to go to a third quarterback. Would it be Hecker, the punter, who yeah. played that position, or would it be Cooper because of his knowledge? Yeah, of the Hecker's playbook? one for one <laughs> so far this yeah, season. So far. Uh, 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 for me, Sammy, it's also a factor of who they've played. And when you look at the corners from Richard Sherman to Jalen Ramsey to now getting ready to face Patrick Peterson, those three in consecutive order, yeah. you will not find a tougher gauntlet at corner in the National Football but League. But he's, I mean, he absolutely. But he's getting a step. Yeah, he gave two. Richard Sherman all he could handle. The ball just didn't get there. I mean, every corner, any corner you put Sammy Watkins on, I mean, they're going to have to think twice about how they're playing him and covering him. And if Sammy Watkins breaks north towards the end zone, you're going to have to honor that because he's got the speed to beat you and get open. So he is changing the defense. He's changing the looks for Jared Goff, and he's getting – they're getting open looks because of Sammy Watkins, but at some point, that look, that connection has got to come up big. From a fan standpoint, you take out San Francisco. Are you disappointed in Sammy Watkins' production? Yes. Yeah, very In terms of what you were expecting when they yeah, made I mean, the Yeah, I mean, I had this idea in my head that Sammy Watkins is Sammy Watkins. And, uh, you know, aside from the San Francisco game where I think he had two touchdown catches, Correct. Um, he has been unbelievably quiet. And, like, last week didn't have a catch. I think I don't think he had a catch in the Seattle game either. He dropped his first slant and then caught another one in Jacksonville. But, yeah, he was, uh, he was noticeably absent against the Seahawks, and that's when the social media back and forth. The guy who's impressive uh, is Robert place. Woods, man. Robert Woods well, makes every tough catch. And I catch. think you also have to attribute players like Woods thriving and Tyler Higby, who's fourth in the NFL among tight ends in yards per route run in the last three weeks. You have to attribute some of that to Sammy Watkins because San Francisco and Thursday Night Football may feel like a season ago to us, but to NFL defensive coordinators preparing for the Rams, it feels like last night. You have to And you better believe that they start their their game plan. When he trots out, that corner and that safety, you have to honor that, which is going to open up the other side of the field. All right, we'll break here. We are at the uh, Barrel Boy and Banker 
London Bridge across the pond. Good Saturday morning to you back in Los Angeles. This is this is a coveted window in uh, L.A. talk radio spot, right? Early oh, Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Like, that's when 11. you know that you've made I've it. I've been angling for that slot for a so, long time. Two guys. Finally, I have arrived. I don't want to play poker against these two. They're too good. <laughs> uh, we're getting ready for uh, USC Notre Dame a little bit later on ESPN LA 710. And, of course, tomorrow night. Uh, week seven in the National Football League, back in the NFC West, the Cardinals and the Rams. Whose house? Rams, Rams house. house here in London. We'll be back. Well, in the cab, in the hotel, in the pub, you can't come to London and not hear the Beatles. And we did, and we have. And welcome back. The Barrow Boy and Banker here at the foot of London Bridge. Les Snead is in the house. Kevin Demoff is in the house. We'll talk to Kevin momentarily. Uh, but last night we were at Abbey Road for a special event with uh, Ram staff and sponsors. About 100 of us gathered at uh, the famous recording studio uh, that the Beatles made special. But the likes of uh, Pink Floyd and Taylor Swift and everyone in between have recorded there. And now that we can say uh, the Rams have recorded there, including Tory Holt and Eric Dickerson, here's just a small sample of how it sounded last night with the Ramley. What would you think if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Mace, DeMarco, what do you think? Give it a grade. It's great stuff. I can say that sounds really good. We had professional help. Yes, they, they taught us how to sing the song. Wow. It was rough. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah, we had to get our best effort out. They, call that, they call that waxing a hottie, by the way. Waxing, waxing a hottie. Waxing a hottie. Laying yes. it down to vinyl. Somehow sounds dirty. <laughs> On that note, kind of. Yeah. the boss, uh, who was responsible for it all, Kevin Demoff, joins us here from... Uh, the pub in London. Kevin, thanks so much for that special memory last night and for the opportunity to play in London. It, it was an unbelievable experience, except for having to edit out DeMarco. Oh, come on. <laughs> you know, you have to do a few takes to, to drown him out. Tory Holt kept singing over me, man. I had to match him. Tory Holt, I wish you could see the visual standing up. I mean, you thought he was recording We Are the World. Yes. I mean, he's swaying back and forth, and, you know, he got up and did a solo. Well, As did your wife. He was the first guy up. Come on, right? <laughs> he he basically like he sprinted like it was a post pattern yes. to run the solo. Right. But it was it was a great event, historic place, Abbey Road, and then you come to the pub today and you see all these Rams fans here, and what a fun weekend, and hopefully we can cap it off tomorrow with a win. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, Kevin, I, as, a, as a Rams fan and as a season ticket holder, I have been so thrilled by this, uh, this season and the transformation uh, that the organization has gone through. Uh, how, in your mind, has Sean McVay been better than advertised? You know, I wouldn't say better than advertised. I mean, when you meet with Sean McVay, if you're going to hire someone who's 30 years old, they have to blow you away. And, and Sean blew us away at every turn, and this year you're seeing – exactly what we saw but i think what's impressed me is there's never been the moment where it's ever seemed too big for him where the 30 31 year old has come out maybe a little bit after last week and i a couple people told me you know 
leaving the field at Jacksonville, they go, Sean looked mad. He you was. Know, and, and you could tell those are, you know, he wasn't happy with the way the team performed, 10-point win. And you could kind of see it in his post-game comments and, you know, how we go from there. But overall, he's been a tremendous addition. I think you see the way the team has rallied, the confidence they're playing in overall. And, and that's where I look at this both this year and then moving forward, the foundation that Sean's building. But I feel your energy, and I think all of our fans feel that way. No doubt. I, I can't wait till Sunday to get the game on, but I, I think I like his approach to this game. It's a business trip. We're not here to sightsee. We're here to play football. You know, I, I think he was here last year. That was one of the advantages he had, so this wasn't new for him. He came on Thursday night with the Redskins. Unfortunately, they had the tie. And when we talked to him this year, it was very much, I want to come Thursday night. Obviously, you can't do that from L.A. So staying in Jacksonville, getting the players acclimated. And I think the biggest change that maybe we don't think about, we always think about the jet lag for practice, was Sean talking about players and meetings on Wednesday were very fresh when they installed the game plan. They weren't tired. There wasn't jet lag from the coaches. And he said that was more important to him than maybe a Friday practice where they're fine-tuning some stuff. It was getting the game plan in and having them be very dialed in at that point on Wednesday. So something maybe you don't think about as an organization that a very process-minded head coach comes up with. Talking with Kevin Demoff here in front of a packed house at the Barrel Boy in Banker, part of the international series. And, again, this is going to be part of the Rams' schedule until the franchise moves into Englewood. So I wonder if you give us a look kind of behind the scenes at the process, how the assignments work, so that fans who have joined us from around the U.K. and certainly from around the United States they might want to start planning ahead and wondering where might we go next. You know, that's a good question. Next year, there are three games planned here at the U.K., the first game in the Tottenham Stadium potentially next year, and, and two at Wembley and maybe one at Twickenham, uh, Mexico City on, on the dial next year. And you know, When we came into the NFL International playing, when you're a team in a temporary stadium like we are in the Coliseum, you know the NFL rules specify that you have to give up a home game each year, and we really sat down with NFL International and try to plan it out where we could do London, Mexico, and maybe China if that comes on the board, maybe Germany if that comes aboard. So you know, this has been a great to come to London back-to-back. -back. I think our goal in the future, maybe get somewhere else in Europe, get to Mexico, and really try to take our brand internationally. But, you know, we haven't, we've been here twice. We haven't won a game yet in London, so I think our viewpoint might change <laughs> if we could walk out with a win tomorrow at Twickenham. You know, I told the story earlier when I was going through passport control at uh, Heathrow. Uh, I, they asked me why I'm here, and I said, well, I'm here for the Rams game. And the guy said, I'm going to be at Twickenham on, uh, on Sunday. Uh, the, the vibe for the NFL, because I've just been in Los Angeles and hearing about these games in London and not quite sure what they mean. People in, in London love the NFL, and they are absolutely geared up when the NFL comes here. Can you envision a future for the NFL here in London? You know, I think one of the things, Steve, when you come to these games, what's most amazing is it's jerseys from every team, every player. You can count all 32, and it's not just the superstars. You see throwback jerseys. I mean, someone might actually buy a DeMarco Farr jersey. Will you stop? Yeah. Will you st I knew this was coming. I Go ahead. One. I Go own ahead. a DeMarco Farr jersey. You know, Did I, I give it to you? I'll I saw never. a guy, the highlight for me last year, is I saw a guy show up in a San Jose Sharks jersey. Just as like, you know what? I'm wearing my San Jose yeah. Sharks jersey. But it's a Super Bowl-type atmosphere when you get into Twickenham, when you get into Wembley. And these fans from all around the U.K. and all of Europe really come with passion. I think the one thing we always have to remember is a – as a league, as it'd be great to get a team here, but to get more teams here, to get a chance for maybe you play four, five, six, seven, eight games, and so people can see all the teams, because they're really fans of the NFL collectively, and it would be, to me, it's not just about building one fan base and getting them to follow a team, it's about really building passion for all 32. We're fortunate, three years in, you get this kind of crowd at the Vera Boy and Banker in a pub, and 
and build that. But long term, I think for the league, it's great to build all 32. Just a one-day snapshot. I know you're only six games in, but being in first place, kind of like new shoes, right? You know, I, I would say nobody cares what the standings are in week six. And, you know, there have been a couple of times I've seen other franchises post, you know, we're in first place, and I always tell our social media team, don't ever do that until we clinch. Right. Right, or, or until, you know, the, when they show the playoff picture, it's like I don't know what's going to happen for the remaining 11 weeks. Like, it's not going to end tomorrow. Uh, but for us, I think it's building on each week. And the enthusiasm from the players and the confidence, you know, it seems whether it was the Seattle game, people said, oh, this is a, Dallas was a statement game. And then Seattle, they said, oh, it's a statement game. We didn't play our best. We come to Jacksonville, win that game. And that was a statement game between two teams who are heading in the right direction. Now it's, oh, the Cardinals are a statement game. They won last week. We're 4-2. and two. I look at it as if you have a chance to get to 5-2, and two, you know, which is really forget about where you are in the division. If you could get to 5-2 and two going into the bye week, you know, we're fortunate. You look at the injuries around the NFL, you know, some teams that have had some bad injuries. We really have managed to stay healthy, which is I think when you talk, Steve, about a new head coach, he has managed to keep them healthy, to keep them fresh, keep their spirits fresh. I think the longer we can go in the season, this is a year where it doesn't seem like anybody's going to run away with the NFC. The longer we can stay in that picture, be playing good football, the better chance we're going to have to be relevant in December. It'll be nice to have LaMarcus Joyner back at safety against the Cardinals tomorrow night here at Twickenham uh, with Kevin Demoff, the executive VP and the COO of the Los Angeles Rams, J.B. Long. Steve Mason and Super Bowl champion DeMarco Farr at this great pub in London. I gave you each two questions. I can't believe you're going to make me do it. What? I'll ask Kevin. Uniforms? What uniforms are the Rams going to be wearing <laughs> oh, tomorrow? I didn't even uh, think about is, it. Come on. This I, is I thought they were going to take it for me, yeah. but sorry. I, I believe we are white on white tomorrow. You know, the standard home uniform for the Rams. There was a question of whether we could get our white pants clean from last week uh, for the trip. So if it's white and blue, it's because our pants didn't clean out from Jacksonville. Um, but it, the plan is white and white in our home uniforms, bringing that here, and then we should be in white on white for every game until week 17 when we'll have the throwback. This, uni this uniform thing <laughs> is just crazy <laughs> online. At the Dallas game, I'm like, what did this turn into Project Runway at some point? I want to win. I just want to see the team win. I really don't. I don't need Tim Gunn uh, evaluating exactly what colors they're unbeaten the in mix and match. Well, well, the, unbeaten in mix and match. Yeah, in, in the in the mix and match, and we have the you know the random uniform generated. We we pour out on social media. But to to Demarco's point, yeah. the fact that people are still talking about uniforms means we're making progress. They're not griping about, you know, when you when I wake up and you lead the league in points scored through six weeks, which I think is the biggest shot, not necessarily first place, but I saw we're the first team to go kind of worst to first over six weeks in 70 years. But then it's the uniform talk. And, you know, after Dallas, our point, you know, was, God, hopefully those are ugly enough that the NFL won't ever make us wear them again. And then, you know, that didn't work. And then after Jacksonville, we're like, you know, we're 2-0 and in these uniforms. Maybe we need to bring them back and, you know, play more on them. So, but I, oh, it's crazy. There are petitions online. I'm like, come on, just look at the games. I don't really care what anybody's wearing. Yeah, so tomorrow we should match across the board. So hopefully, hopefully that'll be good. We're one in one in the white combos, but we will keep track of the records and the uniforms because if that's what predicates success. I mean, JB told me last week, whatever shirt he wears. Yes. We win. I, and I, I will be wearing that polo shirt even though it's going to be sub-50 degrees at nice. kickoff tomorrow. There you I go. will have other clothes on, but it is with me. Well, this is my winning uh, Ram shirt. I've that's got the old-school Rams uh, shirt. Everyone do your part. That's, that's a winning shirt. I, I love it. Actually, I, I was laughing when I saw you, Steve. I looked over here, and I don't know if you know this. You're a dead ringer for Arsene Wenger, the manager of oh. Arsenal. 
No, really? And I looked over, and I'm like, wow. how'd we get Arsene Wenger to come to the pub wow. and hang out with the Rams? And My cabbie's not very happy with Arsenal right now. They're, they're disappointed. They, they had a good Europa win league on Thursday, so we'll wow. hopefully tomorrow against Everton they can come out. With I hope that's team. not a bad thing that I'm a dead ringer for this. No, it's All not. Right. You're one of the most successful managers in you know, Premier League history. Excellent. Kevin, before we let you go, uh, we fly into and out of LAX all the time. You bring clients and partners to see the LA Stadium and Entertainment District to give them the latest. Any update? How are things going there you in know, Inglewood? It's great. We're, we're basically just one year past groundbreaking. We, we started putting steel for the seating bowl uh, up last week, so that was really the first tangible moment. Everybody's seen you know, the pylons that will eventually prop up the roof in the stadium, but the seating bowl I thought was a nice memorable thought especially for someone like steve season ticket holder right? oh yeah season ticket holders can start to see the bowl going up and you know we're well on pace you know since the rain stopped we, we managed to make up a little bit of ground and excited for the 2020 opening and you know if this team can keep growing each year as we get in that stadium you love the idea of you know where we can be in a couple years with sean with jared with todd you know with aaron with this team overall moving into that new stadium but i think it's going to be a great venue you know we we're fortunate enough Super Bowl 2022 last month to get opening closing ceremonies the Olympics for LA 28 and you, you see the worldwide presence of this team of the NFL and to build this great building in LA steps from LAX where the world can see it I think is a great testament to Stan and his vision. Well just like we started this segment getting by with a little help from our friends an expanded three-hour edition of Rams All Access and one of our friends Kevin Demoff stepping by uh, to help us cover a segment. Thank you Kevin. Thank you guys. Uh, Les Snead is here, Tori Holt is here, Eric Dickerson and the Rams cheerleaders in a packed house here at the Barrel Boy and Banker at the foot of the London Bridge on ESPN LA.